Lord God, we just thank you for this morning, Father. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, for the ability to preach, Lord God, to speak, Father, to communicate your heart, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father, as I surrender to you, Lord God, that you would use me, that you would use my mind, my heart, my spirit, and my soul, Father. And I thank you, Lord God, that everyone here, Father, would leave today, Father, having received exactly what it is that they need, Father. That they would hear what it is they need to hear, Lord God, and they would receive from you exactly what they need from you today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to start with um, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 22. It says, what a man desires is unfailing love. Psalms 143, verse 8 says, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Psalms 36, verse 7 says, How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Psalms 119, verse 76 says, May your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. The Bible uses the phrase unfailing love 33 times to describe God's love for us. Unfailing love is not used in any other context in the word but to describe God's love for us. It says the, that man desires unfailing love. What does desire mean? Desire means to hope and to long for. The only true unfailing love is from God. And God created us to seek him and to seek him until we find him. We hope and we long for love. A love that is unfailing, a love that is without error, a love that is without fault, a love that is reliable and constant, a love that never changes, a love that doesn't get weak in difficult times, a love that always provides enough of what is needed. Doesn't that sound good? Until we find him, nothing will satisfy us until we find his unfailing love because there is nothing like his unfailing love. The need to be loved is one of the most basic and fundamental needs of every human being. Yet, it is one of the most common human experiences to have the inability of being satisfied in the area of our love. Who can relate to that statement? It's one of the most common human experiences for us as humans, men and women, to live with a longing and a desire to be loved and never having that been satisfied. That's a common human experience. Ecclesiastics 3.11 says, Nothing under the sun alone but God can satisfy. God created us with this need because he wanted us to seek him. He purposely created us with a need that only he could meet. 1 John 4, 7 says, everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. So it is not wrong to seek out love. The problem arises when we place our need for love on anyone or anything else other than God. And we all do that. Searching for this unfailing love in anyone else is not only a waste of time, but will be miserably disappointing and destructive to our hearts. When we, seek out God, when we seek out love and affection and things other than God first, it's, it's a waste of time. And it can be destructive to our hearts. And it can affect us for the rest of our lives. At some time or another, most of us have experienced mistreatment, unforgiveness, or an inappropriate and unloving responses from people we long to have love us. 
It is, the, it is at the beginning of life that we experience the love of those who, are, who cared for us and taught us about life, like our moms, our dads, some of us, our grandparents, our siblings. It's in the beginning of your life that through those relationships, you're taught about what love looks like. It, it sets the foundation of what love is for you. These relationships set us up in life and teach us how to pursue if you are born into a healthy home, you receive the foundation needed to seek unfailing love, the unfailing love that Proverbs talks about. So in our homes, when we're born and we're raised, whoever it is that we're raised by, they are given the responsibility by God to teach us and lay the foundation of what love is so that we would continue to pursue love and one day find God. That's where our foundation is supposed to be laid. So if you were born into a healthy home, you've gotten that foundation. My example would be this. I've longed for a close relationship with my mom my whole life. When I had my three kids, I went to the hospital in tears. And not because I was in pain or afraid to have a kid, but because I knew my mom wasn't going to be there to comfort me, to encourage me, to tell me that everything's going to be okay. And I've never had that type of relationship with my mom. The truth of the matter is that even if she was around, it wouldn't have been what I desired. So we're, bo we're born with a desire to have that satisfied. And it's love that we're seeking to satisfy us. And so I was seeking that satisfaction of love from my mom. And I still seek that. And a perfect example, it would be, you know, when I went to have my kids, like I said, I, 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 my, it broke my heart that I didn't have my mom there. Even though she had never been there for me, it didn't change that I still had the desire for her to be there. Even though I'd already, I, I already know that she's not capable of being there for me, the desire hasn't left me. I stayed desiring because God created us that way. That's what he's placed on the inside of us. So the examples, as a child, my mom experienced so much abuse and neglect and mistreatment that she was just never capable of giving me love or a foundation of love. The examples that she gave me were not helpful in pointing me in the right direction in my own life. The type of love she showed me was a harsh and careless type of love. It was full of conditions, and it was very confusing. So the type of love and affection and attention my mom gave me was based on conditions. It was based on my behavior. There were limitations. And that's the type of love that she taught me. Her love taught me that I was not good enough to be protected because she saw me being abused and manipulated by others and didn't protect me. She didn't cover me. So that taught me that I, I wasn't good enough to be protected, that I didn't deserve to be protected. So that's what love was teaching me. That's the foundation of love that I was being taught or showed as a child. She taught me that I had to protect myself because no one else would. Instead of teaching me, you know, that she was there, that she would protect me, she wouldn't let anyone hurt me, and that she would always be there, she taught me that she wasn't reliable, she wasn't trustworthy, and that when I'm with her that I could get hurt. And those are our foundations. And so carrying that on as I continued my pursuit for love, I took that with me. I picked that up and carried that with me in my pursuit of even my relationship with God, where 
my, the beginning of my foundation taught me that I was not worthy of being protected. So I carried that with me in my, even seeking my relationship with God and wanting to connect with God. I still had this thing telling me I'm not worthy of being protected in my pursuit and seeking my relationship with God. So her love taught me that I was not good enough to be protected and that I had to protect myself because no one else would. The love she showed me was very destructive to my heart. It broke my heart and it damaged my soul. This is what I had in my heart as I grew into a young woman with dreams and the desire to be loved. This was my reality. It was a reality. Those things happened. She made the mistakes that she made. She wasn't there for me and she didn't protect me. That was my reality. It's not something I made up. Those are facts. That was a small part of my story. <clears throat> Even though that that was my reality and those were my facts, however, it was not the truth. Okay, the truth is God's reality. So those are facts. Those are things that happened in my life. Those facts make it my reality. But even though that was my reality, that is not the truth. How many would agree with me that it's not the truth that I don't deserve to be protected? That's not the truth. But I lived with that as a truth in my life. In my pursuit for love, I carried the fact that I believed based on the facts that I experienced that I was not worthy of being protected. Truth is God's reality, not ours. And we are all on our own journey to discover the truth and live in God's reality, right? We are all on a journey to discover what the truth is and live in God's reality. That is a small part of my story. We all have our own stories, our own experiences, and how, we're how we've been loved and how it's affected our lives, our hearts, and our souls. And I'm sure that if we were to take the time and share our stories, we would find that most of us did not receive a healthy example of love. Whether it was with your parents or later on in life in other relationships where you loved someone and you wanted them to love you back. We've all experienced this. This is how the Webster's Dictionary would define the word love. Love can be described as a feeling or strong or constant affection. And a lot of us live that way, looking for love to be expressed in that way, looking for a feeling of strong and constant affection. The unfailing love that Proverbs refers to is not this. When you come in contact with God's unfailing love, you discover that love is so much more than a feeling or an emotion. God's love for us is a force that can change the most difficult of situations in the most impossible situations. In our pursuit of love, we must learn that the most difficult, we must, I'm sorry, my mouth is really dry and I'm struggling to get the words out of my mouth. Just give me a second <laughs> while y'all stare at me. <laughs> so in our pursuit of love, we must learn one of the most difficult lessons to learn. And that is that love is a decision and it's not based on feelings. So, the love, the foundation of love that was taught to me as a child taught me that love was based on feelings. It taught me that love was based on conditions. It taught me that I had to perform to make people believe that I was worthy of being protected. But at, when we pursue God, we have to learn that that's not the truth. And that could be a hard lesson to learn. 
Because once we've picked up that ideal, once we've picked up that idea of the way we've been treated and how love has been imparted in our lives, it's hard to lay it down. It's hard to put that down because that were, those were my facts. That was my reality. Nothing you could say could change the belief about how my mom expressed her love to me. I had a difficult time believing that my mom loved me. And I've spent many hours counseling and praying and seeking therapy because of the feelings that I've had related to my mom and her love for me. <clears throat> I have to be honest and share with you <clears throat> where this thought, where this idea, where this message has come from. I'm 39 years old and I've been married for 16 years and I have three amazing children, right? Yes. I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a leader, I'm a pastor, I'm a counselor, I'm all these things. And here I am at 39 years old, and I've realized something very difficult. On my journey to this place where I stand before you today, it's been a hard one, a hard journey. Even though my kids are as amazing as they are, life is still hard. Um... Even having made the decision to live for God with all my heart, and I've done, I did that a long time ago, and I've been living for God that way for a very long time, since I was 16. I made the decision when I was 16, and I have not looked back once. Even having made that decision, life has still been hard. My life has been full of seasons of loneliness, heartbreak, disappointments, confusion, and questions of whether I was even significant, whether my life was even significant. And needed, and whether I needed to be here. The damage that the, that love showed me as a child has affected me in every stage, in every walk of my life. In my personal pursuit for love, those who I trusted showed me the road to love, and they damaged my heart. Afraid that I'm not capable of true love, and I know. I can't be the only one to struggle with this insecurity. The realization of this insecurity has taken a long time for me to accept. I believe this is something that God has been trying to show me for a very long time. He's been trying to show me how difficult I have been to love. For a very long, I'm 39 and I'm just now receiving the revelation, but God's been talking to me about this for a really long time. It's taken me to get to the place that I am today to accept it, to admit it, and to stand up here before you and say, I have been difficult to love. I have made it hard for those that love me to love me. I mean, my husband, you, you guys have no idea. <laughs> he could have walked away so many times, and it would have been the right thing to do in the world's eyes. And he's one of the first people that I've met that showed me that love was without conditions. And it's healed me. It's, it's been a part of healing my heart. The, the word says that for, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, that God did not give us a spirit of fear, timidity, cowardice, but he has given us a spirit of power and love, of calm and well-balanced mind, and discipline and self-control. So I've lived with the foundation of love that I had, that caused me to be afraid to trust others. That caused me to be afraid to allow people to see 
what I had inside of me. So how can I, a wife of 16 years, a mom of three, a counselor, a teacher, a pastor, all those things I said that I am, not know how to receive love? How can it be? 16 years. We're married 16 years. I'm just now getting a hold of this revelation in my life that I do not know how to receive love. I was talking with a counselor recently and sharing some of my thoughts and perceptions of how things are in my life. I was explaining to him, well, this is what happened. This is how it made me feel. This is what I thought. This is what I perceived. And he stopped me. And he said, Tina, do you really believe that you are loved or that you ever have been loved? That's what he asked me. And for a minute, I was a little insulted. And I had to sit there and think and say, God, what are you saying to me? And I realized it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I couldn't even respond to him because I realized that was true. I do not believe that I have ever been loved or that I'm lovable. And it's been through fear that I have allowed people to get close to me, not through love. Through fear. I have pursued relationships of love through fear. The word says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. So if we're operating in fear, how can we have love? Perfect love casts out all fear. We can't pursue love in fear. We can't pursue love out of distrust and hurt. We were created to seek God's unfailing love. We were created with a desire to pursue unfailing love but we cannot do that through fear we cannot do that through un with tr issues of trust in our heart I just sat there and it hit me so hard the truth was no I have not felt loved and I have felt unlovable for so long this was my reality and I felt so ashamed I've raised three kids whom I love with all my heart yet I feel unloved. In that moment, a conversation that I had many times with one of my children played over and over in my head and it's hitting me again. I could hear myself ask my son, do you love me? And he'd say, yes, mom, of course I love you. And I'd say, no, you don't. You don't love me. How do I know you love me? And he'd get so offended and he'd go, what? Why do you say that? I don't like it when you say that. He would get so mad. It would be in a time where we were loving, playing with each other, you know, effect, have showing affection to one another, and I'd say that to him. And he would get so offended with me, like, Mom, I do not like it when you say that to me. And I never understood why he would get so upset. I, and it would be, you know, I would laugh. I would laugh. at. I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny that he would get so upset about that. And as I sat in that room with that counselor, and he asked me that question, and I considered whether it was true, that played in my head like a movie, that conversation with my son, where he'd get upset with me and say, I don't like it when you say that to me. And I'd say, okay, I'm sorry. I won't say it again. And I would do it again. After having promised him that I wouldn't say that to him again, I'd do it again. Why do you think I would do that? Because I didn't believe that he truly loved me. Because I don't believe I've carried that, that I don't deserve to be loved. 
And I just gave you one example of a foundation that I was taught. The foundation of love that was taught to me. That was one example. There's many more to add to that that I've carried. That's my story. Those are my realities. I know that you all have your own. And so this morning, I want you to consider your foundation of love. Consider what you've been taught. Consider the things that you've taken up and that you've lived with as the truth. And remember, those facts, those things that we've experienced, those are our reality, but it's not God's. It's not the truth of what God's word says because God's word says that he loves us and that he gave a son for us. But we've not experienced lives that show that to us. We have to decipher and, and realize that these are facts. This is a reality that's happened for me, but that is not God's love. That is not God's truth. And I want to line my life up with God's truth. So my son would make it clear to me, Mom, I don't like it when you say that to me. And I would apologize and then promise not to say it again. But we had this conversation many times. Each time it played exactly the same. I realized that my insecurity of being unloved was influencing my relationship with my kids. And how I loved them. And here's the foundation that my mom gave me. I was passing it along to my own. And I've never done the things that my mom did to me, to my kids, but I was still passing on the same ideas to my own children. I was passing on to him and making him now feel like he needed to do more and be more to prove to me that he loved me. I was teaching my son that his love was not enough for me. And he needed to be more, which is nothing further from the truth. But because I carried that as my truth, you can only give away what you have. Can't give away what you don't have. And it takes being real and accepting that that's what you have to know what you're giving away. Because here I, I've, my son's 13 and my youngest is eight and I've been their mother for that long, doing my best, loving them with all that I have, doing my best, loving them with all that I have, but it's not enough because I have to give up what I have and pick up what God has given to me, and then I could give them what they deserve because they don't deserve what I have. They deserve more than that. I don't want to raise my son to believe that he's not enough and that he always has to do more. That's not an identity I want to create for my kids. That's not the legacy that I want to leave on this earth. I want my kids to be confident and know that they're good enough, that they're enough, and that they deserve to be loved and appreciated, and they, they deserve the response of what love looks like, and it's without conditions. So whether they behave or whether they misbehave, I still love them. And even in the times of misbehaving and I'm having to discipline them, they still know my mom loves me. My dad loves me. It's not without conditions. 
There were times where I was being disciplined as a child. I was being disciplined for the wrong reasons that I walked away or in those moments I felt like I was hated and detested. I felt like I, my parents had wished that I was not alive. And my mom had said that to me several times. I wish you weren't here. I felt like an inconvenience to her life. And I never want to pass on that idea to my children. Never. But here I was doing that by a simple conversation of, of, of joking around and saying, do you love me? How do I know you love me? Prove it to me. I was joking. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Even in something so simple as that, I'm creating a foundation of love in my kid's life. And the realization of the type of foundation I was creating was difficult. I was ashamed to admit it. God has given me and their father the responsibility of setting the foundation with love that will ultimately, ultimately lead them to God's unfailing love. Some of us seek God's love. We seek that unfailing love. But we don't know how to find it because we don't know what it looks like. Because it doesn't look like the foundation that we have. We compare it to what we have and it doesn't match up. So we keep searching when it's there. It's right there. We can't connect with it because the foundation that we have doesn't line up with it. So realizing that the foundation that I'm teaching my kids is not leading them to God's unfailing love. Because that's mine. It's my reality. It's not God's truth. I want to teach them and raise them in God's truth, not my reality. Things that I've experienced are going to help them. I'll be able to teach them about my mistakes. But they have to live out their own pursuit and to seek God's unfailing love. They have to live it out and find the truth for themselves. I'm laying the foundation. I'm setting them up for that. Here I am placing unfair expectations on my own son to meet my brokenhearted needs. So we live our life with needs. We talked about that a few weeks ago when we talked about missing pieces. We all have needs. We all have the same basic needs, those 12 needs. You guys remember that? We, all, we continue living that way with those needs. We either have those needs from a place of health or from a place of unhealth. And so here I've been, married for 16 years with these three kids, amazing kids, pastoring this church, doing all that I'm doing, seeking God's unfailing love with a broken heart. And that's okay, because God still loves me. He still accepts me. He still uses me. He still gives me opportunities like today that I can stand up here and share with you. And I'm still broken in some places. He didn't send his son to die for perfect people. And once we accept him, he doesn't expect us to be perfect. It's a journey that we have to walk. It's a journey, and on that journey we discover the places and the areas that need to be fixed. And we stop and we fix them. So I've been repeating the same destructive cycle of fear and misguided love in my own kids. First John says that God is love. First John 4.17 says that when we take up permanent residence and a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us. So that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. There is no room in love for fear. 
well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. At 39, I'm finally realizing that my love is one that is not yet fully formed. In other words, my heart is still damaged in places I had not trusted to be seen because of hurt, because of fear. Fear is a spirit. It's a spirit we must all choose to take off. And I have been living with a spirit of fear on me for a long time. God has not given us a spirit of fear. It's a spirit. And through pain, through hurt, through disappointments, we pick things up. We pick spirits up. We pick pain up. We pick seeds of bitterness, anger. We pick those things up. A spirit we must all choose to take off is fear. A spirit we must choose to resist. Matthew 22 verse 37 says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. How can I love with all my soul, heart, and mind when I'm still holding on to some broken pieces because of fear? I can't. Fear is a feeling, fear of feeling the pain again, fear of facing my reality. In fear, with a hurt heart, we will produce broken love. And so I've been producing broken love in my kids' lives. Again, this is my story. This is my reality. What's yours? You're listening to me describe my path, my facts, my experiences, and the consequences of mine. What is yours? What are you passing on? What are you duplicating? What are you repeating that you said you would never do or never be? We live our lives having experienced things and with the idea or with the attitude of, I would never do this to anyone. I would never make anyone feel the way this person has made me feel. But without facing it, you're doing, you're repeating. You're repeating and you're passing on the same things. You have to face it. You have to face it. It took me to be 39 to admit it. Because my pride wanted me to tell people, wanted me to show, wanted everyone to see how much I have worked through, how much I have accomplished. That I'm a good mom, even though my mom wasn't a good mom. That was my pride. I have worked hard. I have sacrificed a lot. I have pursued a lot of freedom. But it's not my hand. The work had to come from me. But the salvation comes from God. And it's not until we admit and face where we're broken, we can't be fixed. We can't be fixed so we can live our Christian lives, loving God, lifting others, raising our kids, building our families, broken. Producing brokenness. <clears throat> Proverbs also says that a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what are some of the things that you've been thinking or hiding in your heart? Because the fact that I did not believe that I deserved to be loved was something I was hiding. (sighs) 
Thank you, guys. Give it up for Cheeto and Christine. You can lay it down if you want. It'll probably fall again, yeah. That's all right. Proverbs also says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what are some of the things that you've been hiding in your heart? Because like I said, that was something that I was hiding. I was not willing to admit that I did not believe that I deserved love. So I'm, I'm giving you the example of how it was affecting my relationship with my children. Imagine how it's been affecting my relationship with my husband. That story I'll leave for another day. <laughs> Too much. But it's affected my relationship with my husband. I made it difficult for him to love me. Do you think I ever wanted to admit that? No. No, I didn't want to admit that. Matthew 12, 35 says a good man or woman brings good things out of the goodness stored up in their heart. Out of the goodness that's stored up in your heart. So I was producing things that were not good. Where was that coming from? My heart. If it was not good, it's because there were things that were not good in my heart. That's not just my story. All of us have things in our heart that are not good. Out of the goodness, out of the good things stored up in a man's heart is what comes, is where the good comes from. What have you stored up in your heart? Here are some signs. I want to give you some signs of what a broken heart might look like. Number one, needing to feel important. If you always feel the need to, for people to express to you that you are important, you love titles, you have a constant need to be wanted, if those around you are always feeling pressured to remind you of how important you are, your heart may be damaged. When I was writing this last night, I, we went to a baseball game yesterday morning, my son's um, baseball game, and one of the little boys on the team, he's an amazing player. He's really good. They're nine but they're really good baseball players. And he makes double plays a lot. And every time he does, he stops the whole game. And he's like, Coach, did you see what I did? Dad, did you see what I did? Mom, did you see what I did? He needs all those people to acknowledge that he did something good. And I, I hadn't even started thinking about the message. I was really focused on the game. But that stood out to me. And I don't know what's going on or what's happened to that little boy, and it's not fair for me to speculate, but it hit me wrong. Like, this poor kid is seeking affirmation and attention. Something's broken. He's nine years old. He's nine years old. And he stops the whole game, and the coach gets so upset at him and calls his name and says, focus, you know, get back to the game. But this little kid believes that that whole thing is about him. The, all those plays that were made, those were him. That was him, and he needs to be recognized. He needs you all to recognize that he just did that. And so he stops and calls everybody's name out, and he does it every time. Even though they say, don't do it again, he does it again. And my heart just broke for him, thinking, man, something's wrong here. So number one, if you need people to recognize or people are always being pressured to remind you of how important you are, your heart may be damaged. Number two, 
you sabotage all of your relationships. You're always pushing people away so they can't get close. You're always picking fights. You're either pushing people to reject you or you reject them. Your heart may be damaged. Number three, you don't like to wait. You struggle with going through a process for growth. You're always looking for a quick fix or to blame someone else so that you don't have to change. Your heart may be damaged. And that's something that, that was the way that I was living. I didn't want to go through the process that I knew was coming when, once I admit that I didn't believe that I deserved to be loved. Okay, if I admit that, then what does that mean? What does that mean? I was afraid that that meant that I had been, been, been living fake. That made me feel ashamed of myself. So what did I want to do? I wanted to point and blame. I didn't want to face it. I didn't want to go through the process. I didn't want to wait. Number four, you're always looking for distractions to avoid your reality. That's something else that I did. Addictions come. Relationships. Either you're dating the same type of guy or same type of girl. Drugs, alcohol, spending money. You may have a broken heart. Your heart may be damaged. You're always looking for something to feel and to avoid you facing your reality. Some of us change jobs like ridiculous. For no reason. I mean, we have a reason. We, we blame and we have excuses for why we're changing jobs. But a lot of times it has to do with your heart and the condition of your heart. It's because you don't want to change. It's like you stay in one place long enough and your reality starts showing, so you got to make a switch. We do that with churches too, not just jobs. We bounce from church to church to church because people start seeing what's on the inside of us starts coming out. We can't hide it anymore. So we choose, I don't want to face this. It's time for me to go. We do that in relationships, in jobs. So if this is something that you do, maybe you should check your heart. Maybe you should check your heart. You're always looking for distractions to avoid your reality. Number five, you always cover your hurts. That's what I was doing. You won't admit when you're hurting, and you won't ask for help. And it's because you want to keep up an image. And that is definitely the way, what I was doing. I did not want to admit. It was so hard for me to even say the words, to even get it out of my mouth, to hear my voice say those words, it was difficult for me to do. Still difficult for me to do. So it's like this. You carry your cup around every day looking for ways to fill that desire. You try this and you try that. You might feel better for a little time, but then you, turn around, you return back to feeling miserable again. You, t you return back to feeling un unloved again, unfulfilled, unsatisfied again. We have to find God's unfailing love before we can give healthy love. You have a choice. You have to decide to stop believing everything that your thoughts tell you based on your experiences. My thoughts still speak to me based on my experiences. Those experiences are not gone. They're still there. And so I still have thoughts that are associated with those experiences. But I have to choose 
to resist it. I have to choose to not believe it. I have to choose to put it down and not pick it up. So you have a choice and you have to decide to stop believing everything that your thought tells you based on your experiences. Like when you're walking through that valley where you're in the shadows and it feels like death. Are you going to give in to what you feel? It feels like death and you're walking in the shadows. Those are experiences that you're taking in. Are you going to give in to what you feel? Or will you believe that you don't have to fear because God is with you? It's clear. It's very clear. God is with you and he will comfort you in the shadows. If you allow the spirit of fear to persuade you, you don't get to live in love and soundness of mind. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. But if you choose to live in fear, you don't get to live in love and sound mindness. You don't get to have that. And so for a long time, I chose fear over a sound mind. I chose fear over love. And I carried that fear with me. So because I did that, my thoughts didn't line up with God's truth. I continued to believe the things that were not of a sound mind, that is that I don't deserve to be loved. For those of you that know me, how ridiculous is that that I believe that? If you know me on a personal level, I mean, there's times where I'm, when I'm counseling with someone that I know and that I love and they share a weakness or a belief that they have, and sometimes you're just like, what? Why would you think that? No, that's not true, but that's what they believe. And you're just so appalled at that thought, like, oh, no, that's not the truth about you. That's not what I see. I don't see that when I look at you, but that's their reality. And that's how I'd been living, believing that I didn't deserve to be loved. If you allow the spirit of fear to persuade you, you don't get to live in love and soundness of mind. We have to resist the lies to walk in truth and experience God's unfailing love. Eddie, will you help me? Just because your parents damaged you doesn't mean you have to stay broken for the rest of your life. But you have to admit that you're broken. Just because your spouse left you doesn't mean that you are unlovable. But you have to admit that you feel unlovable. Just because you didn't get picked doesn't mean you're rejected. And I could go on. There are so many instances, instances in life where we must decide not to pick up facts and live like they are God's reality. So I picked up my own facts and was living like that was God's reality for my life and teaching that to my kids as this is God's way. But I was teaching my way, which is not good enough. They deserve so much more. Living this way robs us. It robs us from God's unfailing love. Would you all stand up with me? And I really want to deal with this. I want to deal with these lies. I want to stand up against these lies. And I want to give you an opportunity to do the same. And I want to do it with you. 
let's face fear and walk through some hard things. Facing the reality, admitting that I didn't deserve to be loved, and I didn't believe that I had ever truly been loved. I mean, how horrible would that make my husband feel? We're going to be married for 17 years, and on our 16th anniversary, I came to the reality and, and admitting that I never really believed that he's loved me. No matter all the things that he's done, all the things that he's sacrificed for me, all the ways that he's shown me that he loved me, I didn't believe him. That's not fair. I didn't believe him. No matter how many things I threw at his head, no matter how many times I told him how miserable he made me feel, he stayed. I still didn't believe that he loved me. It causes our expectations for love to be messed up. Like, what was I expecting? After having done all that for me, I'm still looking for something else. And since I still didn't believe that and didn't receive that love from my husband, then God sure as heck doesn't love me. But I'm living like he does. And I'm telling people that I believe he does, but I really didn't. That's a hard thing to admit. Because once I admit it, that means I have to go through something to change it. Now I'm accountable to change it. Once I admit it to myself and I realize it as a mom, man, I got to fix that. I can't afford to live with this in my life anymore. Whether my parents were aware of it or not, they were damaged. And they didn't fix the things that were damaged in their lives. And they raised kids and sent us on to life. And they were okay with that. I'm not. I'm not okay with that. I want to open up my heart and say, God, search me. Find me. Look in there. Show me. Help me see where I'm messed up. Help me see where I'm damaged. Because my life is not insignificant. I'm not insignificant. There's a purpose. I have a purpose and so do you. But we can't connect with our purpose and do it through love without allowing God to search us. Fear is your enemy. Fear will defeat you if you don't confront it. So this morning, if you want to confront some fears in your life, I want to invite you to come up with me right now. I want you to come up to the altar if you realize that there are some things that have been motiv- that you have been motivated by fear in your life. I want you to come up. Because the anointing to break yokes of bondage is here. All you have to do is ask. You have to be willing to admit it. You have to be willing to face it. And you have to be willing to do the work. Don't let shame keep you. Don't let shame keep you and make you continue to live your life carrying the same things that hurt you so that you pass it on to other people because you can only give what you have. You can pretend like you're giving what you don't have and you have to live with that. So one day, I have to live with, I have to stand before God and and deal with the reality of the things that I passed on to my children, to my legacy. And not only my earthly children, but my spiritual children. 
those who I raise up, those who I impart to, those who I invest to. I can't give them things that I don't have. Fear will keep you from unfailing love. God will not override your free will. We live our lives and say, you know, well, if it's God's will, God willing. No, he's not going to override your free will. And I free and willingly decided that I was going to hide those weaknesses. And God didn't override it until I was ready. Until I was ready, God didn't deal with it. If you continue to wait for someone or something to meet your needs other than God, then you will continue to pursue with a broken heart and a spirit of fear. That is not the life that God has for you. His future for you involves a love encounter. At your ugliest, God loves you and sees what you're hiding. At your ugliest, God sees the things that you're hiding. And he still loves you. That's a hard thing to admit. When you've acted out in ugly ways and you realize it after the moment passes and you go, oh my gosh, that was so ugly how I acted. I'm so ashamed. And instead of facing it, we cover it up, we make excuses, we blame other people, and then we move on and act like it never happened. But it stays. The residue of that stays. Not only in your own heart, but the people who experience that ugliness with you. God has said yes over you and will continue to say yes over you for the rest of your life. God is faithful to complete the work that he has begun in you. And he has begun something in you. You wouldn't be here this morning if that wasn't true. God is faithful to complete the work that he has begun. All you have to do is admit open up and say God I'm ready show me and it's not going to be easy some of you probably already know what it is God breaks the chains of bondage in our lives if you want to come up for prayer come up now and I'm going to um, give the mic to Cheeto and he's going to close out the service and give um, any of you an opportunity, if you've never given your life to God, to go ahead and do that now. But I'm going to pray for these people. If you're going to stay, I encourage you to just pray for them while I'm praying for them. Um, I ask you that you would pray for my husband as he travels back from L.A. And um, we just bless you and have a great week. Amen. You got to understand something. It's, it's, it's not easy being up here and sharing the word of God. That's, that's hard. But being up here and sharing your life, your, 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 you know, the stuff that you struggle with, the stuff that you're insecure with, that's even harder, especially when it's our pastor. So I don't know about you, but this is a message that I'm going to remember for a long time because she was being real. And I want to encourage you. I see a lot of women. And I see some guys who are brave. This, this message wasn't for women only. This message was for everybody. And there's a lot of guys out there that have been broken because of the stuff you grew up with. Maybe not having a father or having a father that was too hard on you. And you passed it over to your sons. 
and then your sons are passing it over to their sons, and we have to break this generational curse. So if you are out there and you're a guy and you say, oh, man, that's just for women. No, this is for you. This is for you too. So if you want to come up to the front and run up here, we want to pray for you. We want to change the dynamic. We want to change the way you think. We want God to change the way you've been raised up, to change the way it is because it has to change now. It took Pastor Tina a long time to realize this. And some of you, today is your day. Don't leave the same way you walked in. Today is your day. Amen. So we're going to pray right now for those that are up here. And if you are coming up, keep coming up here. Amen. But if also if you are here and you have never given your life to Christ, and you say, man, I don't even know who Jesus is. I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor, but, but I'm just here because somebody invited me. And if you want to know who Jesus Christ is, we want you to come up to the front and stand over here to my left and to your right. We want to pray for you. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says you shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from destruction. Saved from it all. At the end of the day, when you pass away, there's only two ways you're going to go, either up or down. It's real. And God wants to take you to heaven. God created heaven for you and for me. So if you are here and you want to give your life to Christ, or if you say, man, I used to go to church and I haven't gone in years, and you feel like you've dug a hole and you're deep in, God is in the business of rescuing people. So if you are here and you want to accept Christ into your life, you want to start this new thing called the Christian walk, we want to invite you to come to my left, right by the sign, and you're right, and we want to pray for you. Amen? So let me pray real quick. You guys come up to the front if you guys want to. Let's pray for those that are up here as well. God, I just come before you today. For everyone that's up here in this room, I thank you, Lord God, that generational curses are being broken right now. It doesn't matter what dad did, what mom did, or what grandpa did. What matters is what Jesus is doing right now. It doesn't matter what the mom did or grandmother. It doesn't matter, God. What matters is right here, right now. And generational curses are being broken. Hearts are being healed. People are being delivered. I thank you, God, for forgiving us. I thank you, Lord God, for letting us understand that you love us unconditionally. And that all the love that we've had, that we've been giving out to people, God, I pray that you begin to change your mind. Begin to change our ways right now in Jesus' name. I just pray, Father, right now for a special anointing right now over everyone that's up here in this room. The stuff that they've been through, the stuff that they're feeling is real. It's nothing to play with, God, but you are here to make something happen, God. So I thank you, Father, right now in the name of Jesus for what you've done so far and what you're going to do. I thank you for lives that are going to be changed. I thank you for marriages that are going to be changed. I thank you for future moms that are going to be changed. I thank you for those that are moms that are going to change the way they do things now with their husbands and with their children. I thank you, Lord God, that no matter what, you are the reason that's going to make it happen. So, God, we just thank you. We praise you and we bless you right now in the name of Jesus. If you are here in the front, we're going to keep praying for you. God is in the building. But if you are not in the front, you are dismissed. You may go. If you can just please keep it down a little bit. God is doing something great up here. If you still want prayer, come up to the front. If not, we'll see you next week, next Sunday. We love you guys. God bless.